You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai I 103.8. Hi, guys. It's Mark Lloyd from Lunch with Lloyd. And we were very excited on the show this week to have comedian Steve Harvey join us to talk about a golf tournament that he's put together along with his business partner, Oase. We also had live music with Maria Anira, who's flown all the way from Pakistan to appear at the Expo Pakistan Pavilion. And the National Youth Orchestra came to talk to us. They're performing at Global Village for the National Day celebration. Celebrations, And also we wrap things up with a bit of a run with Paris Norris, who was actually part of the Dubai run at the weekend. Do enjoy it and join me live on the show weekdays from 11 o'clock, only on Dubai I 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai I 103.8. You certainly are. And welcome back to the show. Brand new week here on Dubai I 103.8. And we're super excited about this next interview. A man that we've all seen and heard on radio and TV. Very funny man. Fantastic TV host. And uh, he's right here in the city of Dubai. So I'll say a big warm welcome to Mr. Steve Harvey. Woo! Steve, how are you? How are you? Man? How's it going? It's going really well, Steve. And uh, I know we've got Oase joining us as well, who's uh, working very closely with you. So, um, Steve, uh, let me ask you, you're, you're in the UAE very frequently, of course, but this week you're here for the first ever Steve Harvey Golf Classic. So tell me a bit about this event. Well, you know, it's an event that my partner and I are, are hosting together to announce our business venture, uh, Melt UAE to announce it uh, to the region. Uh, we thought golf would be an interesting way to do it. Might as well have a good time while we're doing it, even though I'm not that great of a golfer. <laughs> uh, just love the golf outfits and the scenery. Uh, but chance for us to uh, say uh, that we're here and, and we're on the ground as, as Melt as a company. And uh, it's Melt UAE. It's for the entire region. Uh, the golf tournament has a huge uh, charitable component to it. Uh, we've uh, targeting several uh, charities in the area that we're going to help out uh, with uh, food programs and such. And um, it's just it's it's just uh, an initial venture. We've been doing some things already, but this is kind of like the uh, the big hello to the region. I, I, I mean, you know, you've been doing a lot in in Dubai. I've seen you on all kinds of videos. I think you've really fallen in love with the UAE, Steve, and, uh, you know, really want to make it a place where you visit more often? Yeah, you know, I mean, I love it here. I mean, uh, I've said it before in interviews, but it's probably the most peaceful place I've ever visited. And I've just fallen in love with the uh, the people here and the culture and the leadership is what uh, I wish more, more, more people could follow and have. But I thought the region was such a beautiful region, uh, the culture. I just wanted to be exposed to it more. It started off with just me and my family. Yeah. Uh, but since then, I've decided I wanted to show more people uh, the culture and how the people in this region really are, because I think there's a misconception, a huge misconception about uh, Islamic and Arabic countries. And, and that is not true. There's some beautiful people here. And I thought, uh, I mean, what better way to... Uh, accentuate that and to come and participate in it. So, Steve, um, I always was with you, and I also spoke to Brandon, both of them, last time, and I did say to them, next time Steve's in, he has to come on. So I'm so glad he's made that happen. Thank you so much, always. Um, We made it happen. You did. You (laughs) did. That's five out of five for you. Okay. So let me ask you guys, um, 
can you can you tell us sneakily who else you're bringing over with you for the celebrity golf event? Yeah, sure. Um, we can give you a few names. A few of them actually flew in uh, uh, with Mr. Harvey, um, Chris Tucker, Akon, um, and and several not only celebrities but influential figures in the entertainment world, the, the business world. Um, so this is going to be probably one of the largest events that that the region has seen from multiple different aspects, not just uh, entertainment. And Steve, do you choose these people to come according to how good they're at golf or how how much fun you have with them as buddies? Well, if you're here because you're good at golf, we won't be having a golf tournament. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, it's... uh, it's really just people that I enjoy being around, man. Uh, like Sugar Ray Leonard, one of the greatest pound-for-pound pound fighters. Uh, he, he's not golfing, but he just wanted to come and understand the region better. A lot of the people I invited don't play golf, but they wanted to come to understand. Because most people, you know, look if they look on my IG or something and they see me doing something, you know, they kind of go, okay, what is Steve up to now? Because they know, first of all, I'm, I'm just, I'm all about family, so... I mean, if, if I'm going to do something, it's got to be beneficial to my family. And coming over here and exposing my family to the culture, which is a huge part of what the company MELT stands for. MELT is an acronym. MELT is M-E-L-T. M is for the merging of ideas and cultures. E is for the empowerment, enlightenment, and entertainment of people. L is for uh, leadership and learning. And T is for trade and technology. And that's how I created one morning at 2 a.m. the whole concept of Melt. And then I called my buddy Oes, who I'd been knowing for a few years. I met when I did the Charger Book Fair. All and right. I the leadership of Charger. And I sat with him at the table. And this man really opened my eyes and taught me so much about Islam and what it really was. And I was fascinated sitting at the table learning from the rule of Charger. And I said, wow. This is something I really want my family to, to really take part of. So it's been 10 years coming here. But after I met Oise, who has a huge business in uh, Sharjah, and we just started talking at Formula One, actually. We went to Formula One together over in uh, Abu Dhabi. And then uh, I became friends with uh, uh, Yusuf Al-Tabi, who's the ambassador uh, to the United States from Abu Dhabi. And one thing led to another. And then, as fortune would have it, uh, uh, Sheikh Mohammed from Abu Dhabi pinned me at the race. And I didn't know the total significance of that, but everybody was going, wait a minute. Sheikh Mbizi Mohammed pinned you? And I was going, yeah. He said, what were you all talking about? We're just talking. And so we formed a relationship, and next thing you know, one thing led to another, and I fell in love with the leadership. I fell in love with the country, and so now we're over here, and we, we got some we got some fun stuff planned. You mentioned the importance of a family, Steve, and I mean you, you've got what looks like a super busy life. You're a TV presenter, radio presenter, husband, father, grandfather. I mean, how do you balance it all out? How do you make sure that you know you have quality time as well with your family as well as your business interests? Well, I mean, it's crazy, but you got to have a wife that, uh, first of all, understands how this works, because my wife, Marjorie, is in charge of the house. Yeah. I'm the king of the castle, but 
just in title only. <laughs> no, Marjorie rules the house. I'm sure she does. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not in charge yet, but she orchestrates everything from as far as the family gatherings and stuff to make sure that I'm present. But then she also understands that I got to go out here and make it happen. And so it's a balance, man. It's really tough. Mm. My foundation for success has always been God first, family second, education third, and then business fourth. And somebody asked me one time, well, you think education is more important than business? Well, I don't think getting a degree is more important than business, but I think you have to educate yourself to the business that you want to be in. If you don't get educated towards the business you're in, you're going to fail. But it's always God first, then family, education, and business. So, Steve, last time I spoke to Brandon Oase, they said, you know, you're such a big mentor for them. And when people found out you were coming on, they said they follow you a lot for your motivation. When people look at you today on Instagram, very successful, doing all these businesses, a lot of them don't know what it took you to get to where you are today. And there's a beautiful video that you posted recently about when you were living in your car, when you had a few dollars to your name. And I wanted you to briefly just tell us that story because it it gave me the faith to say, hang in there and never give up. And it might actually help anyone listening right now. Well, you know, one of the things that has been a part of my journey is I used to ask God all the time. I mean, why is this taking so long? I mean, come on. I don't know what lesson you're trying to teach me, but I get it. You know, I'm living in the car for three years. I got it. I got it. I got it. Can we move? <laughs> yeah. On? I thought it was a bit too long, but I began. I understood my journey because it was necessary. You know, you can't have a testimony without a test. And so me surviving the life that I had, what it did was it, it, it taught me so many lessons that I needed because the average person gives up right before the right before the blessing arrives. The average person quits right before God clicks the light switch. The average person turns back right before they were about to cross the finish line. But the thing of it is, God never reveals to us where is the finish line. He never reveals to us when he's going to cut the light switch on. He never revealed to us when we're going to hit the jackpot. Because if he did, that would destroy the relationship that's required to be successful, which is faith. It's faith. It's everything is faith. And so you have to be willing to endure. But the enduring is part of the process. And I just try to encourage young people that when you when you go on through these things and it's difficult for you, you're just processing. Everybody's just processing. And and if you if God wakes you up every day, it is because he's not through with you yet. And you're still processing you. I don't care who you are. You're processing. Nobody's finished. Nobody's done because you wake up every day. So this business we have is two guys who come together. Who, con- who realized that, I mean, look, God got to wake us up for a reason. You know, look, you can't get a big house up on the hill and then never show anybody else how to get a house on the hill, too. Yeah. What, 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 you know, God blesses you to become a blessing. The thing about not quitting is real simple for people. If you quit, you are sure one thing for sure. If you quit, whatever your dream or your vision is, or was will never happen. That's a guarantee. 
If you don't quit, you then allow the process to keep going on and on and on. And then you never know. It could be tomorrow or it could be two weeks from now or it could be a year from now. But if you quit, you finalize the decision. You've now ruined everything. You're no longer part of the process or the plan. So you got to hang in there, man. You got to stay with it. Steve, you are a fascinating man to talk to. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. Dubai I 103.8. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to the show. The start of a brand new week and super excited to uh, have joining us uh, Mr. Steve Harvey, who's uh, here in the city of Dubai, along with his business partner, Oase, for the Steve Harvey Golf Classic. Steve, um, when is this event actually going to be happening and is it open to the public? <laughs> no. But, but Steve, I, I don't play golf. I'm as bad as you, so we should <laughs> be able to come, right? <laughs> Excuse me. Say you as bad <laughs> in a golf tournament. So I got, at least I know how to play. Let's oh, like I, I know how to putt. I'm good at putting. Yeah, well, it takes a lot to get on the putting game. So there's <laughs> a few things got to happen before you can putt. But no, it's not to the public. It's, it's very private. It's a lot of, uh, you know, some celebrities there, but it's just a yeah. lot of uh, uh, business people in the area that we've invited. Uh, friends that we've invited, um, government people, tourism board people, the people that you know that that we ended up doing business with. Uh, the gate is tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Okay. Early shotgun start. We'll probably start around about eight thirty, nine o'clock. Uh, we get there as a continental breakfast, and then we end up playing. We'll stop playing around twelve thirty, one o'clock, and then tomorrow night is the gala, and then. Uh, Boys, you could tell them about the gala. Yeah, so so the dinner is going to be at a spectacular location here in Dubai. Um, it'll be one of the first uh, events at that location um, because it's so private. I don't want to I don't want to announce the location, but I'm sure everybody would wake up to social media Tuesday morning, um, realizing how spectacular the event was. And and even though it is a private event. Um, I think a lot of what comes out of the event would directly affect everybody um, that lives in this beautiful nation because a lot of uh, life-changing decisions will be made that night that does affect tourism, that does affect activities, that does affect entertainment. Um, so so let's just say we have everybody's best interests at heart as we go into tomorrow's gala. Oase, what is the – working with Steve um, – what is the one most important lesson Steve has taught you? Uh, just to never stop. You know, there's there's no reason to ever stop. That's every time I see Steve, that's always directly or indirectly mentioned. And, um, you know, we, we've all experienced uh, hardship in, in life, whether that's financial or personal or mental or whatever it may have. Been. But, you know, when you stop, as Steve said, you're you're officially telling God, I don't care what you have planned, I'm going to stop, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's, it's, yeah. I'm done. And that's the beginning of the end. So I think just the, 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 the one thing, not just me, but everybody I know that knows Steve has also confirmed the one thing you pick up from Steve is the will to never give up. Steve, let me ask you, um, best piece of advice that you've been given? Um, that you, you know, you've led a colourful life. You've told us about the, the days of living in a car. I know you did some boxing as well. Best piece of advice? 
Oh, man. <laughs> you know, that's a hard one because I'm a walking library of advice. I mean, I've had to learn so many lessons. I think my father, who only had a third grade education, who grew up very, very poor, who was a coal miner, and lived in, a, in America when the opportunities for black people were just so far and few between. My father was born in 1914. Mm. And, you know, that was not a good time to be in the United States for, for people of African descent. Yeah. But he was the smartest man I ever knew. Uh, he taught me a couple of lessons about manhood. The first lesson was, he said, always do exactly what you say you're going to do. Do whatever it is you say you're going to do. Everybody will respect you. If you say you're going to show up, show up. Then his next very valuable lesson to me as a poor person was, he said, son, the best thing you can do for poor people is not be one of them. He said, so <laughs> what you going to do? He said, because I'm poor. I don't know what you're going to do, but you cannot be one of us if you want to change the needle. And uh, that was very significant for me in, in, in my quest, in, in my drive, and even in my darkest moments when it didn't look good. I was, he just never quit, never quit. No matter what happens, you can't quit. And I just wasn't a quitter. No, those three things sustained me. Steve, all the advice that you give to people, do your own kids actually listen to your advice? You know what? I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> really? I wonder myself, you know, <laughs> I go, wait a minute, you know, do you know how many young people ask me for my time? Mr. Harvey, can I get five minutes, 10 minutes? Yeah. And I've raised these kids who, I mean, they come to me usually when they done got in some type of a jam, you know, yeah. yeah. And they need some advice. But I think for the most part, they've listened but they also have been given the freedom to make the mistakes mm. because you got to let them use their wings. Their wings work. So you have to let them use it. You know, uh, I, you know, hey, dad, can I have this? Can I have that? Listen to me. If you didn't have my phone number, what would you do? <laughs> so, so go get to doing that. Now, my daughters have a different. My daughters can come to me and get anything. And my wife tries to stop that. But I have a weakness for my daughters. But that so, was the Steve. That's the same with me and my dad. He would never be able to say no. It's a dad-daughter relationship. Can't tell them no. I don't care what they ask me for. I give it to my girls. My sons are furious. Dad, <laughs> the girl asks for everything. You give it to him. You don't give us nothing. Eh, that's the way we're going to keep doing it, too. <laughs> <laughs> keep it going that way. I mean, if you could turn back the clock um, and you were 20 years old again, what kind of advice would you give yourself, Steve? Would you do things the way that you've done them or would you change a few things? Wish I could go back. We don't we don't we, we don't we don't we don't we don't get a chance to get any get backs. But my advice was the problem that most people do is the same problem I did. I blew my 20s. I, 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 I didn't take my 20s seriously enough. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I don't think 20s. anybody does. So I spent all of my 30s repairing what I had done in my 20s. And then I spent all of my 40s being what I could have been in my 30s. Yeah. And then you looked up and I was 50. 
<laughs> I went down. <laughs> and then your back started aching. <laughs> and then God gave me this incredible life. Uh, but he gave it to me at the perfect time because I would have ruined it. Yeah. I just had a conversation this morning with a guy who had made, who had $20 million in the bank at 28 years old. He had 20 some million dollars in the bank at 28 years old. And he said he had to hurry up and get married because he knew that's the one thing that would settle him down. Because mm. if he settled down, he was going to ruin his life. And I was just looking at him because at 28, I was so broke. I was so poor at 28. But God knew not to give me $20 million at 28 years old. You would have blown it, Steve. (laughs) Tell us about when you met your wife, Steve, Marjorie, and, uh, you know, when you first laid eyes on it. Was it love at first sight for you? Hands down. I was struck. I was smitten. And, you know, people, and Marjorie will tell you this story. She walked into a comedy club and she was late. And she came to the front row. And I was on stage performing. And I was just doing comedy clubs back then in the 80s. You know, I wasn't really famous, you know. And when I saw her, I stopped talking. And the audience was just looking at me. And the first thing I said to her, you know, people come in late. You mess with them on the front row. Hey, what time your ticket got on it? Or what's the matter with you? But the first thing I said to her was, I said, ma'am, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to marry you one day. (laughs) Was that just your intuition, Steve? Did you just know? I just I, I I wanted her when I saw her. Wow! I, and just a feeling came. I tell I'm not kidding you. A feeling came over me. I told her, I said I don't know who you are, but I'm gonna marry you one day. She said you don't even know me. I'm gonna change that. <laughs> and you certainly <laughs> what did. What a charmer! What a charmer! Right? But you know what I do love about you, Steve, is I think people come to you for advice and guidance because of all the struggles and the hardship that you've dealt with. It wasn't easy and that's given you more compassion and I've even seen you on TV crying as a grown man, which I have so much respect for. So I think that's why you're such a big motivator for people because of what you've been through. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's the willingness to be transparent. Mm. See, what makes me sick about famous people is they don't tell the whole story. You got people thinking because you got an IG, an Instagram page, which is nothing but people's highlight reel of their life. And all of a sudden, like you just poof, you popped out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, I'm doing good. You know, these are my cars. This is my watch. Yeah, this is my life. These are my clothes. No, wait a minute, man. Why don't you tell people that there was a time when you didn't think you was going to make it? Why don't you tell them about that time you failed miserably? And you looked hopeless. Why don't you tell them about that time? God just showed you some grace and mercy and allowed you to exist when you should have been gone. What about them stories right there? Why don't you tell that to people? Because more people can understand yeah. that. Oh, look at me. I'm this fabulous person. No, you're not. No, no. Listen to me, man. You're not really that fabulous of a person. You're very regular. We put our pants on the same way, and we hurt. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that. You're very real, Steve. Steve, just before I'll I'll let you go, it's it's amazing that we've had you on the show today. And I was uh, looking on YouTube the other day, and up pops this clip of you with an eight-year-old girl playing the bass like crazy. And and you get uh, Bootsy Collins and Earth, Wind and Fire on the show to talk to her. What a moment that was, Steve. 
I mean, that's a heck of a moment, not only for that little girl, but for me. <laughs> Earth, wind, and fire. Yeah, <laughs> a Boosie Collins fan, but I did it for the little girl, who was an incredible bassist, like you said. But it's it's just look, man. Yeah. I when I was a little boy and I saw Bill Cosby on TV for the first time on I Spy, and it made me think, wow. I'm going to be on TV. Yeah. I knew as a child, that's what I wanted to do. And so if I can give anybody an inspirational moment, something that could turn on the light switch for them, I'd do it. Steve, absolutely brilliant. Oase as well. Once again, Oase, if we want to follow uh, you guys at Melts and uh, keep up to speed as well with the golf tournaments, uh, where can we do that? Um, you can do it on our uh, Instagram pages, our website. Um, we'll have live broadcasting. Um, the Instagram page, I believe, is Melt um, dot Middle East, um, and uh, the the website is the same. So we uh, we would we would have live coverage. There will be several um, news outlets there broadcasting everything live as well. Steve Oase, respect to you both. You've been absolutely amazing, and uh, good luck with the tournament uh, happening uh, tomorrow. Sun's gonna shine on everything. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. Only on Dubai I 103.8. Sunday afternoon. Right now we're going to get into some music. And, uh, of course, there's a lot happening uh, over at Expo 2020. A lot of stages and a lot of great talents uh, performing over there. And it's a real pleasure for me to welcome into my studio once again a young lady who was with us three years ago on the night shift. She's flown in all the way from Pakistan. Uh, Maria Anera, how are you? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very well. How are you? Is it good to be back in Dubai? Um, yeah. Yes, and it is sad that it's such a short trip. But it I'm is a short happy. one, isn't it? But there's quite a story about you and Dubai. There there's a real connection. <laughs> Tell me about that, Maria, once again. Um, I just feel like, you know, Dubai just keeps calling me back, and I just keep coming back. Yeah, and, and there's a good reason for that, because Absolutely. your mum and dad met here, I my think. My mum and dad met here, yes, uh, in 86. I believe we spoke about this yeah. last time as well. 1986. So, you know, my dad's always proud whenever I'm like, I'm going... I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going, going back to Dubai. <laughs> yeah. But I think you grew up uh, over in Pakistan, didn't you? I grew up in you? Pakistan, yeah. yes. Tell me about your journey into music and, and uh, how it all got started for you. Um, really crazy. I used to busk uh, around town in Islamabad in Pakistan when I was 16 years old. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I mean, I was just this kid who just wanted to sing. <laughs> I hated school because I was like, I don't want to go to school. I want to sing. And, yeah, honestly, the rest is pretty much history because... My friend just spotted me and she was throwing a gig uh, at a cafe. And after that, I've just been on it. That's your thing, isn't it? Is is music. Because, of course, you know, your mum is from the Philippines and uh, they're just amazing performers. I mean, (laughs) music, without music, you know, there there ain't anything, whether it's karaoke, whether it's rock bands, you know. It's in the blood. What kind of music were you listening to then um, when you were growing up? Growing up? up? Oh, gosh. I I had all the phases. I had my punk rock phase. (laughs) (laughs) I had my Whitney Houston phase. Yeah. And, um... And then I had my indie folk phase, which kind of stuck with me uh, till now. You know, I mean, I love writing songs about experiences and writing songs that is about, you know, relatable things. Mm. Like in Pakistan, it's very difficult for a female musician to really stand out because, you know, unfortunately, we're, I wouldn't say looked down upon, but like we're just not given the same opportunities. And so for me, it was very important to voice that out through my music and have 
the women of Pakistan, the young generation who want to tap into the music industry, mm. to be able to relate to my story and hopefully be motivated by it, you know. So how did it come about that, um, you know, you, you're here in Dubai again? I mean, how did this gig come around? Um, very spontaneous. Okay. Um, but, you know, Pakistan Pavilion, uh, their theme is the hidden treasure. And so we were pretty much, I was contacted by them and they were like, we have a event coming up, which mm -hmm. is, you know, about diversity and about tolerance. And my music is very diverse because I mostly sing in English, but even my Urdu tracks, my Pakistani tracks are very like modern Western influenced. So... Honestly, that was pretty much it. And they they just asked me if I could come and I did not think twice. I was like, anything to represent my country, yeah. anything to represent the women of my country. And yeah, that's, that's well, how it good, happened. Good yeah. for you. I, I think uh, the performance is going to be uh, later on today, is it yes, tonight? Yes, it is today at 8 p.m. at the Jubilee stage. 8 p.m. Have you seen the Jubilee stage yet? Not yet. It's enormous. I'm, <laughs> I've seen um, our, our mutual friend, Abo. I've, I saw yeah. his videos so that really overwhelmed me. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic stage and the whole setup at Expo is uh, is amazing. So you're going to do as a song um, yes. on, on the show. Yes. And uh, you're going to do something in your uh, native language of yes. Pakistan. I, yeah. I want to I wanna sing this song for you. So it's basically called Kyunahu, which means why not? Why shouldn't I? The song represents the fact that as a woman, I've been through a lot, you know, like difficult difficulties in the music industry but i am a rebel <laughs> <laughs> so and why why not why not and it's like i'm standing on my own two feet by myself you know so yeah. why not it's called Kunahu. well why feet. not pick up that guitar and yeah. and let's hear it um once again as i said it's a real pleasure for us to have back here in our studios here at dubai i want a 3.8 uh the very talented maria anera take it away maria मुश्किलों में भी है जिंदगी की खुशी कुछ रास्तों में है कांटों की तारें पीछी कुछ आरजू भी है कुछ जस्तजू की घड़ी मेरी नस नस में पसी है एक जिद्दी लड़की खड़ी तो क्यों ना हूँ क्यों ना अपने पैरों पे खड़े ना क्यों ना क्यों ना मैं अपने पैरों पे खड़ी आज तो है ये ही लड़की वो ही जो थी कभी बस रास्तों की वो मुश्किलें नहीं मंजिलें जो थे वो है पीछे कहीं खड़ी मैं आ गई हूँ अब एक मकसद के करीब क्यों ना Oh, Maria, your voice is as beautiful as it ever was, as I remember it. Let Thank me tell you, so. that was so nice. <laughs>
Uh, so what's the plan? Um, you're here in Dubai. You're going to be on stage at the Jubilee stage tonight. What's the plan for the, the rest of the year? Anything happening? Are you recording any new music? Uh, yes, actually. I just finished an EP. Yeah. And I'm releasing the single uh, on the 10th of December, along with a very, very huge music video. Probably one of the biggest ones that I've done. Where was it shot? Um, it was shot in Pakistan, and it was a collaboration with fashion kids, like fashion students. Okay. And so they pretty much designed 22 gowns from for the, scratch. For, and do you wear them all? I pretty much wear at least 15 <laughs> of them. <laughs> I've never worn that many gowns in my life. Um, so yeah, new music, uh, really crazy right now. I mean, I fly back to Pakistan right after my show tonight to catch uh, a shoot that I have, a video shoot. So there's a lot of exciting things, a lot of projects, a lot of... Um, music, a lot of gigs, you know, now mm. finally in Pakistan, like there's a lot of concerts happening and, and it's picking up, I would say slowly, but it's picking up quite fast. Slowly now, but so. surely. Yeah. Uh, tell me a bit more about the EP and, uh, you know, what's on there. It's very exciting. I kind of changed my sound a little bit. It's a bit more, I don't want to say electronic, but it is definitely influenced by Billie Eilish because okay. I'm a huge Billie fan. Yeah. Anybody who knows me, anybody who follows me in Pakistan, they know that I'm a... I'm like their very own Billie Eilish over there. <laughs> what, what, what is it that, uh, I mean, my son's the same. He's yeah. just Billie Eilish anything, you know. We've, we've got all kinds of, uh, we've, in fact, I've got all the albums on vinyl and, oh and box God. sets and then T-shirts, jeans, everything, you know. What, what is it that really makes her stand out, do you think? She's just different. Yeah. For her age, for someone who sings and, and, and talks about life and experiences, at the age of, like, what, she started when she was 14, 15? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think there's something powerful about that. There's something powerful about the way that she connects with her with her fans. And, and oh, my gosh, her brother, Phineas, he yeah, is just talented, crazy. Isn't he? <laughs> like, like, oh, my gosh, you know? Like, I mean, yeah, so I think it's just the fact that she really, she really knows how to get to you in a very good way, of course. And Yeah. Did you like her James Bond theme? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> no time to die, isn't that? Oh my gosh! I mean, what that that would be the the ultimate, wouldn't it, to get a James Bond theme for yeah. Maria Onero? That's a goal. You <laughs> it know? is a goal, isn't it? So yeah. So so the EP is very influenced by that, and um, there are three songs. Each song pretty much represents how and what I've been through in the last two years, you know, and it's pretty exciting. I'm very very excited for for people to listen to it it's it's so different from my acoustic stuff okay so i don't know let's see let's you, see how it goes yeah uh okay well fantastic we wish you all the best uh, maria so for the gig um tonight at eight o'clock on the jubilee stage and uh, are you going to get much time to look around expo or is it just going to be stage and out between sound check i will yeah i think so i have about an hour um, so hopefully I'll get to see at least the Pakistani pavilion. Great stuff. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you coming and um, making you so some much time for, for coming in our studios and performing so for much. us. That's once again Maria Anera, beautiful singer-songwriter with a fantastic voice. She's performing tonight over at Expo. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. 
Dubai Eye 103.8. Yes, Sunday afternoon, a brand new week. It's just coming up now to 90 minutes past at one o'clock. Now, as part of the National Day celebrations, the National Youth Orchestra, which is the largest UAE-based student orchestra with more than 60 musicians of over 25 nationalities, they're going to be performing at the Global Village between the 2nd and the 4th of December. Uh, now, we've got joining us two of the students and the art director. It's a pleasure to welcome Amira Fouad, who's the co-founder and executive director of NYO. Amira, thanks for coming in. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, and we've also got uh, two students. We'll start, I think, with uh, with Sophia. You're just 15 years of, years of age. Uh, Sophia Fahid, how are you? I'm good, thank you. It's truly an honor to be here today and speaking about such an amazing orchestra. Yeah, and you sound very proud that you're part of that orchestra. Tell me how long you've been um, involved with uh, with the National Youth Orchestra. Right, so I've been I joined the National Youth Orchestra last year, so essentially mid-COVID, and this is my second year continuing with them, and I've been playing the violin for over 8 years now. And it's truly been an amazing journey. I've enjoyed every bit of it. I've learned so much from my peers, from our amazing maestro, Mr. Monir Bakia and Miss Eva Grasbeck. And it's, it's truly been life-changing. I've received so many great opportunities and I've collaborated with amazing musicians and amazing teachers and performed at spectacular locations and venues across Dubai. Well, lucky you. I mean, you know, from violin, it's got to be in an orchestra, really, hasn't it? It's, it's, I guess it's such a different experience yeah. from playing, uh, playing it solo. Yeah, it's it's a lot of collaboration. It's a lot of different skills involved. You're focusing on multitasking. So not only you're playing, but you're looking at your music, you're listening to those around you and (laughs) (laughs) listening to what the other musicians are doing as well. I mean, when did you first get into music? What attracted you to uh, the violin especially? Um, So I started first actually with the piano. I started learning the piano at the age of five. And from then onwards, I I attended a few concerts in Vienna when, when I traveled to Europe with my family and I saw people playing the violin. And I said to my mom, I have to start taking lessons. This yeah. instrument is beautiful. Yeah. And for now, eight years, I've been learning um, violin with Miss Eva Grosbeck. What, what are some of your favorite composers that you love to uh, perform? Um, so in terms of performing, I on the violin, I really enjoy playing Baroque music. So um, things like Vivaldi and then also stuff from the classical era. I enjoy playing Mozart right now. I'm learning the, uh, the Beethoven Spring Sonata. But in terms of listening, I most enjoy uh, 20th century classical. So Shostakovich, Prokofiev, um, Dvorak, all of them are, let's say, contemporary in the time era of classical music music in general okay now let's bring in amira here you're um a a concert pianist you've traveled all around the world tell me why it's so important to have um a national youth orchestra here in dubai um well it's it's interesting Uh, we have a bit of a story um when i first came here five years ago i looked for an a youth orchestra for my daughters they had belonged to the National Children's Orchestra in Great Britain, NCOGB. Mm-hmm. And we came here looking for an orchestra that would accept um, students from any teacher, any ethnicity, any school. Um, and we couldn't find one. So we started one. So Good it's, for you. <laughs> thank you. It started out with four students yeah. and I co-founded it uh, with uh, Mr. Munir Bakia and uh, Ms. Eva Grasbeck. And we are a small team. We're very, very committed. And uh, it's grown from four students to, like we said, over 65 from over 25 nationalities. They come from all over the Emirates, very dedicated on every yeah. Saturday 
that we do have required rehearsal time every Saturday so that we can be prepared to perform for the nation when we're asked. And you've got a very special performance that's, well, several performances that's going to be happening over at Global Village. Tell me more about that. Well, this was a very, very exciting um, invitation. And we are very honoured to be able to accept and to be able to perform on the main stage outdoors at Global Village on the commemoration day for the 50th anniversary of the United Arab Emirates. And that's going to be at 7.15 to 8.15. It's a great honour for our students. And they've taken the commitment very, very seriously. So we've got little ones from the age of five who are coming very, very dedicated with their teddy bears and their cellos and their violins (laughs) and their violas. And uh, all the way up to age 18, students like um, Sophia and Jeanette, who are very, very busy with their academic studies and still make the musical commitment to the National Youth Orchestra. So yeah. we are very proud. You should be. Uh, Jeanette uh, Montero, uh, you join me on the show right now. Um, tell me about your journey into music and your yeah. instrument. Um, my musical journey is actually quite similar to Sophia. Um, I started with the piano, as many kids do, with yeah. a musical foundation in the piano. I started at around the age of six, um, and around this time I was also studying music theory. Um, but like Sophia, I was just so drawn to the violin, so I ended up stopping playing the piano and learning the violin instead. Um, and I've been playing ever since. But I guess the, the piano is a good bass. Uh, you know, you can learn your chords on that and, and then progressing onto the violin. Who are some of your favorite composers that you like to um, uh, perform? Particularly for me when it comes to performing, I would say my favorite composers come from uh, who I've actually played. Because for me, um, pieces and my favorite uh, concertos um, and symphonies come from my experience with playing it. Um, I played in an international music festival. We played the Janacek Suite. Um, so he became one of my favorite composers because okay. of that personal attachment that I had with that piece. Um, uh, yeah, I would say he's one of my favorite composers today. Uh, we're going to have a little listen to some Vivaldi, I believe. Beautiful music. Uh, Amira, that's um, something that your um, orchestra actually plays as well. Yes, we do a lot of Vivaldi. Um, Our conductor, uh, Mr. Munir Bakia, um, does a lot of Baroque music with the, with the students. So we do Vivaldi, Bach. We're going to be playing Mozart, Eine Kleine Nacht music, all the way up to some great movie favorites. Oh, really? Yes. We're going to, the, our junior orchestra is going to be playing uh, some music from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, nice. And uh, our senior orchestra is going to be playing some James Bond. Really? Which is super, as well as Dvorak and um, Mozart and several favorite classics. It's, it will be a very enjoyable and international program. You mentioned earlier on that um, you've got youngsters as young as five um, who are in the orchestra. I mean, is that the ideal time to pick up an instrument? Would you say that's the right age? We believe it is, even earlier, if a child is ready to take yeah. on the commitment and the parents are ready to support them, then yes, we believe the earlier the better. And uh, as a team, we, we very much encourage youngsters to start um, as soon as they're ready to concentrate. Our, our um, rehearsals are two hours long. 
Oh, right. <laughs> so we're not, off, we're not in and out in five minutes here. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Um, but, it, you know, as it, it, takes, it takes children maybe a few weeks to get used to it, and then they just really absolutely love it, and they love the social aspect of it, yep. um, and they learn to, to play in a team and to have, you know, friends that they play with. So it's, the, it's not just the uh, individual solo practice at home. But then they get to share their music mm. with their colleagues, which is very lovely. How have the rehearsals been going, Jeanette? They have been amazing. I also arrived and joined the orchestra mid-COVID. And I remember my first few sessions was through Zoom and you kind of had to figure this out. This is weird. Um, exactly. <laughs> we kind of listened to some music, kind of played individual pieces and submitted some recordings. But it's not the same when you're not actually together. So being able to practice in person and actually work with people, play music, get that feedback live and implement it live time is just, it's a great experience. Tell me a bit more about your James Bond that you're going to be James playing. James Bond? Um <laughs> It's actually really interesting. Having to play more contemporary pop music pieces requires yeah. you to adjust the style. We had to learn kind of the way that you bow those sharp sounds okay. um, and how to make that sound like metallic, but uh, also in tune. I think the kinds of skills and the techniques that you have to adopt to play those different kinds of pieces is really a important. A bit more Vanessa May. Yeah, it gives you more of a, a range <laughs> of skills. So it's been really, it's been really helpful and interesting. Are you play. excited then about the live shows? Yes, it's such an honor to be able to play. Um, especially on National Day for the 50th, for UAE's 50th National Day. Um, it'll probably be the biggest audience that I've ever played in front of, yeah, which for is sure. a little bit nerve-wracking, but exciting nonetheless. So it is exciting. To it. So tell me about when and where this is going to be happening. Uh, right. Um, well, we will be on stage at 7.15 um, at the main stage outside at Global Village on the 2nd, 3rd and 4th of December. Um, Global Village has told us that they're expecting over 100,000 people every night. <laughs> it's going to be like a rock concert, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, the orchestra is very, very excited, as are our amazing team of people behind the orchestra. We're very, very grateful. Um, the Global Village um, stage uh, crew and director, Mr. Sean Cornell, are amazing. And they've provided us with huge, huge support. So mm. it's been a great pleasure so far. So we're very excited to premiere and have our debut there on the second i'm sure you are now if we've got any asp aspiring musicians who are listening or parents of aspiring musicians that maybe would think i'd love to join um the the national youth orchestra how, how do they go about that they can contact us through our website which is www.nyo.ae nyo is for national yep. youth orchestra yeah. um they can also come to the performance and maybe speak to one of us afterwards it would be a pleasure to meet them Fantastic. Well, guys, I know it's going to be an absolutely brilliant show and a great memory as well. It's something you'll never forget, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, Amira, once again, uh, along with Jeanette and Sophia, have, a, have an amazing performance um, on National Day. And we thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. It's been a great pleasure. This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Welcome back uh, into uh, the show. It's World Letter Writing Day today. And we're asking you guys, when was the last time you wrote a letter? Ryan, thanks for yours. I wrote to my dad a few years back, Mansoor, saying handwritten resignation to my company. Uh, loving that one as well. Um, we're going to go though, right now to uh, the lines and uh, going to buy Paris Norris joins us on the phone. Paris, how are you doing, sir? I'm very well, thanks, Mark. How are you? Very good. Are you a letter writer? Can you remember the last letter that you ever wrote to someone? It was probably an apology. Uh, <laughs> and I... 
I can't remember how long ago it would have been, but no, it's a, a long time since I've written a handwritten letter. I know. Apologies. Yeah, they, they, they seem to be the thing quite a bit of, of handwritten letters. Anyway, let's get down to Guy in Dubai. It was a feral weekend. I've seen the videos, I've seen the pictures, and you took part in the Dubai run, Paris. Tell me all about it. Well, I was one of 147,000 people who got up early and uh, some a lot earlier than me and uh, and took a run down the Sheikh's Head Road around downtown and up towards uh, Dubai World Trade Center uh, in the Zabil Road uh, as part of the run. And um, it was a it was a great feeling because, you know, they closed off the roads for the for the run. Uh, it's not every day that you get you get the Sheikh's Head Road to yourself. <laughs> and uh, yes, it, it was uh, it was good fun. It was quite challenging. And I think for most people, it was a it was a lot of fun. Must be surreal being on actually on the tarmac on, on the road with, you know, the fantastic skyline uh, by your side. Uh, how did it feel? Was it a kind of a pinch me moment? Yeah, a little bit, actually, because, you know, there's not many places in the world where where you have that kind of scene. It's not just the the skyline and the epic buildings. It's the 147,000 people who are there on the road with you. You know, it was yeah. uh, it was a uh, it was crazy. So uh, uh, yeah, it was a bit special. Um, did you make any friends? You know, did you? Were there any moments, standout moments of of the run for you? Uh, yeah, I did. I did uh, sort of say hello to a few people. Lots of people having a lot of fun taking photos, uh, you know, obviously taking photos of people for them. I was yeah. covering it on social media, so getting getting other people involved. Uh, so, you know, it was a very social event. I think for most people it was a bit of fun. Um, uh, I, yeah, I didn't see too many people taking it too seriously, but there were there were some competitive runners as well. And that's kind of nice, isn't it? You know, um, making it a social event. Don't, you know, worry what how long it takes you to to get... Um, you know, to the end of the, of the finish line there. It's it's more of a social event. And uh, the weather right now just lends itself to that, Paris. Well, the weather was absolutely perfect. And getting up at that time in the morning, you get the best of it. And in my opinion, the, the nicest part of the day is the sunrise. It's really quite quite a nice feeling when you see the sun come up. Um, so, so, yes, it's uh, it's nice for everybody to get involved. And I think that's what Dubai Fitness Challenge is all about is doesn't matter what level you are it's about just giving it a go and getting involved and um, I think you know most of us are here in the UAE for work and we you know work in an office and we you know uh, are not getting as much exercise as we should do uh, so it's just about getting out there and doing it you know it doesn't matter uh, you know if you're good or bad um, or if you've got a fast time or a slow time um, it's just about giving it a go. Now, going to buy Paris of uh, Norris, of course, you're um, you're famous for your uh, TV shows that we can see on various platforms. What's the next challenge for you? What are you going to be doing over the next few months? Oh, it's a good question. It's a good question. What am I going to be doing? Well, the F1 is coming up. That's going to be very big. Uh, that's happening in what a couple of weeks now. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I'll be I'll be covering that one. Um, and it's been an interesting year for F1, so it will be a, a great race. Lewis Hamilton might maybe pinch it and win a win an eighth championship. Uh, so I'm looking at that, um, and I've been doing a lot of um, 
a lot of flying recently. Uh, as you know, I, I love flying paramotors, but now the weather is absolutely perfect for it. And we're even getting a little bit of low flight, uh, low level clouds. So I'm hoping to get a flight uh, above the clouds uh, at some point. Um, and also it's coming up to the festive season. So I'm doing a few little stunts uh, for social media. Um, I think I may have mentioned to you a while ago that I got my rope access license to, yes. uh, to, to clean windows. Right. Well, you might see, you might see you might see Santa in some funny places in the next few weeks. <laughs> I'll look forward to that. Santa cleaning windows will be a bit special. Um, Paris, if people want to follow you and uh, find out um, you know, about all your adventures, where do they need to go to? Well, the easiest place to see everything is go to Guy in Dubai on Instagram. But if you want to watch our TV show, then you can check it out on Amazon Prime or on OSN streaming. Uh, and if you're flying anytime soon, then you can catch the show on any of the airlines. Absolutely brilliant, Paris. Thank you so much for being with us and uh, well done for doing that Dubai run at the weekend.